This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. We are in game week mode. Actually, the game between Auburn and Kentucky is less than 24 hours away as we record this. It's a big one at Jordan-Hare Stadium, two top 25 teams, but two teams we don't know a ton about uh, because they haven't played anybody yet. There was no spring football. Auburn's got a new offensive coordinator, a lot of new starters. Kentucky's got some new starters, but also some veterans back. So it's really a guessing game when it comes to predicting some of these early season matchups, maybe more than usual. But Jason, I'm going to start with you. And we're joined by Jason Caldwell of 24-7 Sports and Auburn Undercover and Philip Marshall as well. Jason, if you're Auburn, what are your biggest reasons for optimism entering this game? Yeah, I think it's, you know, having Bo Nix back is, is one big one, and I think continuity on defense would be the other one for me. Those are two things I think are very important, uh, continuity, um, especially when you're Auburn, you're replacing, you know, Derrick Brown, Marlon Davidson, all those guys in the secondary. At least you've got guys back that know the system. They can kind of – you kind of plug in. You don't have to really learn anything. And then having quarterback back is so important no matter what you do. And you know, Auburn has a new offense, but I think having Bo Nix back, a coach's son, um, guy that knows football, um, I think much easier for him to make a transition in this year than maybe a lot of other guys just because he's had so much football in his background. He knows offenses. So, to me, those would be the biggest reasons for optimism kind of heading into this game. All right, Philip, what about you? Biggest reason for optimism if you're Auburn right now? Well, one, I, I would agree with everything Jason said. Two, biggest reason if I'm Auburn for optimism is I got better players than they do. Uh, uh I was looking just today at uh, at Kentucky last season, and they lost to Mississippi State. They lost to South Carolina. They uh, almost lost to Arkansas. And who did they beat? R- really, pretty much nobody. They lost to Tennessee. Uh, I, I I understand that they're experienced. But uh, uh, I'm not sure people are not getting a little carried away with them. I'll just put it that way because they're because they're experienced. Yeah, right. I, I agree, Philip. Sorry, but I, I think you're right. I think the lines of scrimmage, you know, they got some guys back that that right. have done a really good job. But in the end, you go and what have they done? Who have they beaten? And it's kind of like for me the jumps out that that number two pass defense rating. And you look and saw who, see who they played last year that threw the football. There wasn't many teams uh, other than Florida. They played Florida when, you know, you know Kyle Trask only came in after an injury, and they still threw for 300 yards. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. All right. Biggest reason for concern if you're Auburn, Jason, where would you go there? I, I think lines of scrimmage. I mentioned that. I think that's if Kentucky has a, a chance to be right there with Auburn, um, it's probably at the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line has some guys coming back. But this Auburn defensive line, you got guys that have played, but you're also counting on some newcomers to provide depth. And this Kentucky offensive line, to me, clearly the best part of their team right now. Defensive line's got some guys back, too. And 
you know, for Auburn lines of scrimmage, offensive line, how quickly can you gel? To me, those lines of scrimmage probably is the thing that you look at right now and going, if Kentucky's got a chance, that's where it would be. I'll say this about the Kentucky offensive line. I'm going to point this out. Two first-team preseason uh, Associated Press picks in the all-conference on the all-conference team for Kentucky. Landon Young, an offensive tackle. Drake Jackson, the center. They also have another player that's in, I think, a third-team All-SEC selection just from that offensive line alone. So in the first three teams, preseason, obviously, but that's three players on the offensive line that are All-SEC uh, earning all SEC recognition. Georgia, for example, which is known to have recruited very well on the offensive line in recent years, only has one preseason pick on those three teams. So good points, Jason. Phillip, what about you? What if your Auburn would be your biggest concern right now? Uh, I wouldn't be so concerned. Uh, you know, the, obviously the defensive line and off- Kentucky's offensive line matchup is going to be huge in this game. But uh, as as Jason said earlier, no, Auburn doesn't have Derek Brown or Marlon Davidson, but except for for uh, for Colby uh, Wooden, who just came on like gangbusters, and uh, most of the people that are going to be doing most of the playing have played a good bit before, and uh, uh, so you know I think that's but that's that that, that and 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 uh, how well how well are you going to execute? Running an offense for the first time. Uh, that's, that would be the other one. I, I think the defense is going to be pretty salty. Uh, I think the offense is, even though, I mean, other than the offensive line, you look around, you got, you got, you got a, a quarterback who, uh, has every reason to kind of feel snubbed, uh, back and, uh, and I and I I think a whole lot of Sean Shivers. I, I may think I may be proved wrong, but I I think Sean Shivers is going to have a great year. And those other guys are all obviously extremely talented at running back, and they got veteran receivers and fast receivers and big receivers. So uh, I think the offense, other than the offensive line, has what you're looking for. Now, maybe the offensive line will be too, but we just don't know. And and no matter how talented they are or aren't, so much of the offensive line success depends on working in concert and doing things together, five people doing it together. And, you know, if, if Tyrone Truesdale make, makes a mistake on the defensive line, uh, KJ Britt may cover it up. But uh, there's nobody to help you out. If, if the offensive lineman takes the wrong step, it can blow up the whole play. And pe- people tend to, and I wrote about this, uh, People t- every time there's big plays or a successful running play or those things, people people tend to say, "Boy, the offensive line got crushed." Uh, when more often, is the offensive line didn't execute it right. And uh, just like a lot of times on the other side of the ball, it's not so much getting blown off the ball that it is not fitting gaps right. Uh, so I'm talking about when big plays happen, but uh, you know. I think the biggest concern to me would not be on defense, even though Kentucky's offensive line is really good. I think Auburn's defensive line will hold their own. Would be the offensive line, obviously, and uh, and running a new offense for the first time without having had spring practice and all those things, and and, been, and having been without whatever number of players they've been without during camp, and we don't really know the answer to that. 
how many guys were quarantined for in contact tracing and had to sit out for two weeks. You guys have both been covering this program for many, many years and, and followed it even before then. I, I know, Jason, I guess you've been around since Doug Barfield, uh, maybe even actually you were born when Coach Jordan was yeah. still coach. Phillip's been covering the team. I think Philip had some of the first one-on-one interviews with John Heisman when he was named Auburn's head coach back in the day. Yeah, I still, <laughs> I still think it's a, it's, it's a crime that they're not wearing leather helmets. I think that's uh, – I think they're, they're a bunch of soft – well, listen, we've been, I mean, gosh, ad nauseum almost, just so much talk about the offensive line, the Auburn offensive line this week and the last few weeks. But for each of you, I want to ask this, what are you most excited? I mean, look, you're longtime observers of Auburn football. You've seen every kind of offense that they could throw at, a, at another team. What are you two most excited, and we'll start with you, Philip, most excited about seeing from the Auburn offense this year? If it's, uh, and, and really, I was going to say nobody, very few teams try to run pace from start to finish anymore, and I don't, and I don't think Auburn will either. Uh, but are they going to throw the ball over the middle of the field? Are they going to have? Are they going to have a more varied, more sophisticated passing game? Uh, that's that's the thing I, I, I look for most, and you know, and I, I think that with a young offensive line, I'm guessing you're going to see it more. Quick passes, pass to, passes to backs, and try to get Shivers or 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 Flash or those guys out of space one on one and uh, and let and let them run. But uh, it's uh, it's go- watching Bo, Bo Nix is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we've heard so much about how much better he is, and from from everybody from the head coach to him to himself, and uh, it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see just how much how much he has improved. I don't have any question he has, but just how much he's improved. And I'm not a, you know, I, I think the the widespread criticism of Bo Nix is one of the strangest things I've ever seen, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it doesn't make sense to me. And suddenly Mac Jones is better than he is because he, he played three games. And, uh, uh, and maybe he is, but, I think he's still got it to show. And uh, I think that's that's – seeing how the offensive line plays, seeing how the offense as a whole deals with the uh, with the uh, new offense. And on defense, really, I, I'm, I'm – I think the secondary is going to be really good. And uh, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they play. And particularly, all we've all, we've all heard so much over the course of camp about Jamie Sherwood. I'm looking forward to watching watching him have, play the play the uh, the key role that he hasn't done before. Hi, Jason. For you, the thing you're most most eager to see about the Auburn offense? Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's really interesting. There's a couple things for me. Um, I think the first thing, and kind of tying to Phillips about pace, not necessarily pace, but can they keep the same personnel on the field? Right. Uh, and, and I think, can you do that and and keep the defense from substituting? Not necessarily play fast, but can you keep the same guys on the field five or six plays in a row? Uh, to me, that's very important. You know, Sean Shivers, can he be the everything back? That's what Chad Marsh wants. He wants a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think that's going to be really important is, is which one of those guys can prove to be a valuable wide receiver from the running back position. And then – and I've been guilty of this myself. Um, 
labeling the offensive line as young. Um, they're not young. That's the that's the thing about this one that I think is people kind of get lost at. Look at Bro Darius Ham. He's four years out of high school, redshirt junior. Tayshawn Manning, four years out of high school, redshirt junior. Nick Brahms is a redshirt junior guy, redshirt three years out. Um, you know, Brandon Council, um, grad student, left tackle. Both those guys, Austin Troxel, redshirt junior, been out of high school. These are mature guys. They don't have a ton of experience. But right. they're very mature. I, I think that's the thing about this one is that you're not plugging in a true freshman. Um, these are older guys, and they know, even though they haven't played, they know to, what to expect. I think that's one of the keys. And I've been saying, I may be wrong, I've been saying for a while, I think this offensive line is going to be more physical than last year's. Um, well, they're going to test of that, you know, Saturday because Kentucky's nose guards both weigh about 380. So they're going to have to be physical to right. get a little push. But if, they, if they're able to be physical – it sets up the RPO game, which I think is a staple for Chad Morris, and I think it's what Bo Nix thrives in. So, to right. me, if they're able to get that going early, it opens up the entire offense, and I'm kind of looking forward to see this offensive line. All right. Bo Nix, Ham will certainly be, be more physical than any, any starter they had last year. I don't have any, any questions about that. And from what I hear about Brandon Council, uh, the, the, the right side of their offensive line could be could be pretty hard to deal with as long as they can execute. Okay, Jason, this next one's for you. Uh, Bo Nix, look, I mean, a lot of people have thought that he was tailor-made for a Chad Morris-type offense. He's got some great receivers. But, you know, Kentucky, if you look at their defense, the strength of their defense is probably their secondary. you got cornerbacks Cedric Dort and Brandon Eccles, uh, safety Yusef Corker. Uh, Corker led the team in tackles last year, 74. So a pretty solid secondary. Who would you give the edge to, Auburn's receivers or Kentucky's secondary? That's for you, Jason. I'll take Auburn. You know, like I said, I, I went back and watched a couple of games for Kentucky, and one of them was was the bowl game. Virginia Tech was not an offensive juggernaut at all um, in the bowl game. They had some guys open in the passing game. You know, like I said, you look at, at Kentucky, and they were number two nationally in pass defense, and you go, man, that's incredible. And you go back and look, and they had Arkansas and Mississippi State where there two crossover games. You look in the east, and Bandy couldn't throw it. South Carolina couldn't throw it. Tennessee was okay. They played Florida in week three, played Georgia in a monsoon. Georgia had 35 yards passing, and it never quit raining. So they got as advantageous a schedule as any pass defense could possibly get. Are they solid? Yeah, I think they're solid. But um, if Auburn can, again, I go back to that, if they can run the ball some and establish that a little bit, I think then they're going to have some opportunities for big plays down the field. And that's where I think they're going to have to hit. I think – in a new offense, new system, first game, it's tough to, to, to ask an offense to go 10 or 11 plays. It's just hard to do that without making a mistake along the way. I think big plays, Anthony Schwartz, Eli Stove, to me, this is the game because they're going to give a lot of attention to Seth Williams. I mean, it, this, it's obvious. He's going to get a lot of attention. One-on-one matchups for Schwartz and Stove, to me, Auburn has to win those. If they do, I think they have a good game you know, throwing the football. Also, you have to think the secondary now is going to have to account for some tight ends and some running backs as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's added. You know, I won't say it's eye candy because eye candy normally you do when you don't use. If you use the running backs, you use the tight ends. Yeah, that's not eye candy. We saw LSU last year. The difference between 2018 and 2019 LSU, they probably ran a lot of the same plays. But the thing they did was they kept the same personnel on the field and then they use the running back as a weapon in the passing game. When you do that, 
it opens up and empties the middle of the field because the linebacker has to go get that guy. And when you do, the tight end becomes more of a valuable threat, all those things. So watching those things play out, I think, is is one of the more intriguing things of the day for me. All right. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. All right, we're back. Philip Marshall and Jason Caldwell have joined me, Keith Niebuhr, to talk Auburn-Kentucky. It's an intriguing matchup, you know, uh, maybe the best one in the SEC this weekend, and you get the uh, 11 a.m. Central time uh, kickoff, which is always interesting. But, Philip, you know, you've got a lot of insight into this Auburn defensive line. you got a couple new starters, uh, Derek Hall, who, uh, you know, st- I think he did actually start a few games last year, but that's right. Colby Wooden in a defensive tackle. Tyrone Truesdell would be your other tackle. And then you've got Big Cat Bryant. Uh, so it, it looks like it's a solid group. It also looks like they've got a lot of depth. The challenge is going to be pretty strong. You guys have pointed this out. Kentucky has two first teamers, uh, in the, uh, preseason Associated Press all SEC team. Again, Landon Young and Drake Jackson. They've got another player that also received some preseason mention as well. So three really strong offensive linemen. In fact, uh, we should point out, uh, Jason and I both remember covering Landon Young's recruitment. That was a guy. Uh, that Auburn really, really wanted. So that was a huge recruiting win for Kentucky. I think he was an in-state kid. But, Philip, uh, the challenge is going to be pretty uh, pretty big for the Auburn defensive line. But they've got a – it looks like a strong starting four, and it looks like a, there's some strong guys behind them too, which is just what Rodney Garner wants, right? Right. He, he wants to play 10 guys. Let me say one, one, one other thing about Kentucky's defense first. Sure, uh, sure, sure. You know, don't hold me to the numbers. It might be just SEC numbers. It might be the whole season. But they gave up like six yards of carry rushing last year. And that goes a long way toward finishing second in the uh, in the nation in pass defense because people don't feel like they got to throw it. Uh, so Kentucky was not great against the running game last year. Uh, uh, but, you know, that's, again – I may be proved completely wrong. I may go out there and say, wow, this looks like a championship contender, but I don't expect that. Uh, as far as the defense goes, I mean, you got Daquan Newkirk not starting, for instance. Uh, I do believe that he, he, he is, he, he missed a good bit of time during camp and, uh, would probably help, help Colby Wooden get, get that starting job. He was going to certainly play no matter what, but, but, uh, how ready, how ready is Daquan Newkirk, uh, to play a lot, a lot of snaps? I don't know. Uh, but I, I think, you know, I'm looking forward to watching TD Moultrie too. I, you heard some good talk about him over the course of camp and he needs to have a big year for himself because he certainly has NFL talent if he can, if he can ever break through and, and, uh, and show it. Uh, and, uh, Derek Hall, I think is a really good player and, and then you got those three linebackers back there who are maybe as good as anybody's in the league. And uh, like I said, I, I'll be surprised if they don't have if they don't have a uh, a, a really good defense. Now, I will say this about both sides of the ball: I don't think they're going to be nearly as good on Saturday as they're going to be two months from now, because the offensive line for sure should get better as they go. We get, get accustomed to playing together and, and all those things. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, you are not first. 
I'm really curious to watch Tayshawn Manning and Alec Jackson. That's going to that's gonna be interesting. That's two guys we really haven't seen in games to any extent, except maybe a mop-up time. On the way. Jason, let me get a little bit into the Kentucky offense. Quarterback Terry Wilson injured last year. Uh, but the year before, uh, for most of the year last year, year before, threw for about 1,900 yards, 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions, but rushed for 547 yards on 4.1 yards per carry. Pretty good average for a quarterback. True dual threat guy. What kind of challenge is Terry Wilson going to present to the Auburn defense? And who would you think are the most important members of the defense facing a guy like him? Yeah, I think it starts first with, with limiting them in the run game. Um, if you let them get the run game going, to where they can then run the play action, do some of those things. To me, that's going to be absolute key number one for Auburn to keep them in. You want to put them in, in second and third long situations. Uh, you, know, you look at Terry Wilson, and they won 10 games two years ago, made 18 total touchdowns, didn't throw it a ton. Like I said, he's a pretty, pretty athletic guy, but not a guy that they're going to run a, a ton of design runs for. So a lot of his are going to come off pass, pass plays. So when you look at that, guys like Derek Call, um, Big Cat, you got to keep contained as first first things first. I think that's the big thing there. Um, and so it starts there. And then, you know, to add on to, to Phillips about the defensive line, when you get in those second and third long situations, can Auburn pressure the quarterback? Um, that's the one question mark I have. I don't question the talent on the defensive line. I think there's plenty of depth. The question I have is, do you have a premier pass rusher? I think you've got some guys that could be that guy, but do you have the guy that's ready to take that role over? Um so to me, that's where, you know, that's where everything starts is first, you know, containing the run game, don't let him get outside, but then, you know, second, third long, can you get to him and put him on the ground and, and create some of those pressure situations? Because if you don't, then it doesn't matter how talented that, that secondary is. That secondary is young. They don't have as much. If you give guys plenty of time, they're going to find open receivers. So um, to me, that's one of the keys is first, you got to put them in those situations. Um, by limiting the run game, and then then get after that quarterback. Philip, your thoughts on that? I, I agree. Uh, I agree. They got guys that you would think could could uh, would have a chance to be that that pass rusher. I, I think, and Kevin Steele would tell you that that affecting the quarterback is just as important as sacking the quarterback, and uh, to make it make it uncomfortable. I mean, they didn't. You know, he, he's never going to be – Kevin's never going to be a guy that's going to go out there and call a whole bunch of exotic blitzes and, and stuff like that. I mean, he'll, he certainly will blitz, but he doesn't – that's not his M.O. to do that. He, he wants to stay sound. And uh, – uh, but they got – they've got to either – they've got to get to the quarterback and make him uncomfortable. they got to do that. The quarterback, you know, the only two games he played – at what point in the Florida game did he get hurt? I don't remember, but – other than that, he hasn't played in an SEC game in a long time. Yeah, he actually I mean, got hurt the, the first game of the year, so he didn't he didn't really play much after that. So yeah, right, he, it's been over a year for him. Right, it, well, they played Toledo in Eastern Michigan, I think, the first two games. So, so it's it's been a while since he's played. The other interesting thing is going to be, you know, and this is going to be everywhere. The defense is not going to get the help it's accustomed to getting from the crowd. I mean, nobody's going to have any trouble hearing. Uh, uh, Mike Leach said on the SEC conference call the other day, he said he he wouldn't have to he wouldn't have to wait for somebody to come back to the sideline before he could yell at him if he if he was mad. 
he could yell at him on the field. And, uh, uh, but I do think, you know, if the students show up, which uh, even at 11 a.m., I would think they would be in the first game. And they've been, you know, Gus has been calling on them for two weeks. And, uh, you know, if you got 13, 14,000 students there, they can make some noise and then they're going to, they're going to pipe in noise too. And, uh, so they may have, Relatively speaking, to the current circumstances, they may have a decent atmosphere. I mean, it's, there's no way you can make it anything like having 87,000 people in there, and you know, it, it just you can't do that. But it's it that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Jason can take pictures from the corner of the end zone. He'll be fine. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully, the the good thing is is that uh, there won't be many of us, so I should be able to uh, get. Even though I'm not on the field, I can get close enough, hopefully. Jason, back to you for a second. You're four of Kentucky's top five rushers from last year back, but they did lose a really good one. Now, one of the guys that they're going to be looking at this year has local ties, and you've scouted him. So talk a little bit about what they lost and what they have in, in the local product. And when I say local, I mean from the greater Auburn area. Yeah, pretty close. And we talked to Cavassier Smoke is a guy that – you know, he had led Wade Tumka to a state championship game. Um, he's physical running back. Um, you know, he's a big kid, a guy that can, can really get after him, 5'9", 220. So he's built like a tank. And then another guy that's built like a tank too, Chris Rodriguez, 5'11", about 225 or so. And then A.J. Rose is more of a slasher, but he can get downhill and, 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 and take it the distance. So they got three different types of backs. The thing you don't know is, and, and we've seen it, we know exactly – how much of a difference a guy like Lynn Bowden at quarterback can make for a running game. Right. You have a guy like that, it makes those guys a whole lot better. We've seen it with whether it was Cam Newton, whether it was Nick Marshall, whoever it was, how much different a running game is with a guy like that at quarterback. So what you don't know, and it, this gets back to more traditional offense, or does it? Does, did Eddie Grand decide, hey, maybe this is the way we need to play a little bit in – as history has shown us with Kevin Steele at Auburn, teams that kind of play traditional offenses don't normally have a ton of success against Kevin Steele. Normally, if you're going to have success against Kevin Steele, normally it's four or five wide, spreading the field, kind of tempo and attacking, you know, with, with inside receivers. Normally a classic, kind of a classic offense doesn't have as much success, but these, these guys are physical. And like I said, to me, if you give me one key for Auburn's defense, it's going to be can they limit those guys in the run game? Okay, guys, we got it. Whoop, go ahead, Philip. I was just going to say that's crucial this game and every game. If you let somebody go out there and run the ball for 200, 250 yards, and you're going to get hurt in the passing game too, it, it's just uh, it's it's crucial to, to win. And uh, uh, and I'm sure Kentucky approached this game the same way. Uh, first thing they got to do is stop Auburn from from being able to run up and down the field. Uh, but uh, it's going to be, I'm sure this is a huge game for, for Smoke, and uh, as will be the Alabama game uh, coming up, since, since he was kind of snubbed by both of them and broke my friend Charles Baysmore's heart, who is, <laughs> who is probably the world's biggest Wetumpka fan. And uh, got a couple, uh, couple of guys with incentive. Lee Allen Daly. Um, was Bo Nix's top wide receiver his senior year at Pennsylvania, right. Valley, who's listed as a starter for Kentucky. He's a 6'3", big physical receiver. There are a couple of guys on offense that 
probably go into this game with a little bit extra chip on their shoulder. Quick funny story. Quick funny story. We were at a 24-7 get-together, and I got a, a, a message from somebody that said, hey, hey, Smoke just committed to Auburn. And I thought, Smoke, Cavazze has Smoke. They haven't even offered him yet. Ran out to my car, got my computer out, and uh, texted the person back. And I said, really? I, I didn't think you guys were even really – going to offer him and they said no 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 no. smoke monday just committed so anyway all right guys we got to take one more commercial break we'll be right back all right and we're back we just have a few more minutes here we've got uh we're going to try to get out of here in the next three to four minutes but i've got a couple quick questions for you guys one how much does it help auburn that they're used to playing big home openers. I mean, it was Oregon last year, Washington the year before, a few years prior to that, Clemson and back-to-back years. Philip, does it help, yes or no? Oh, I think experience for the guys who who played significant roles in those games, yeah, I think it always helps. I think it's, experience always, always helps. Uh, and Auburn has, has played in recent years. I mean, they played Clemson when they were number one in the opener. Of course, that's before these guys were playing. But, uh, uh, but, uh, Sure, it helps. Now, how much? I don't know. It, uh, I think it helps you to, to, I mean, they were behind Oregon 14 to three in the first quarter last season. And they just kept on playing. And, uh, and I think it's easier when you've been there in those kinds of games to do that, to not, to not panic if things go, go bad early and, and just keep playing and, and, and get it figured out. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm always amused by the national pundits who who have said since the day after that game that Oregon should have won when Auburn won the last three quarters, twenty four to seven. Uh, I, I kind of find that uh, and outgained them all. I, I had more yards than they did. Had one of their better running games of the year, uh, but. That's getting away from your question. Yes, question is, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yes, I think it. Uh, right. I think it is certainly to your advantage, and uh, uh, you don't see that a whole lot anymore, except for in those games. Most people play easy games. To start well, off. I, and I should point out, and not to knock Kentucky, but they haven't played those early. Uh, that that week one game, that week one opponent that Auburn's had in recent years. Now, Jason, we're going to wrap things up with a different question to you, and that is this. You know, right now there's a lot of chatter nationally from the national pundits about Kentucky. This look, Auburn's right for an upset. Kentucky's got the experience. Uh, this could be Kentucky's breakout week. Does something like that have any influence on how Auburn plays or prepares for a game? I think it probably has to if you pay if you pay attention to anything. Uh, and I think these guys are, you know, people talking about an 11 a.m. game. If you're not ready to go after everything these guys have gone through, then you probably need to check your bolts anyway. So 11 a.m. should have no impact on this game. But I think, I think hearing that, you know, these guys watch. They're probably watching Thursday night football. They're getting excited, and, and when they come on, everybody's talking about Kentucky, and they're picking that as as their upset game. And kind of couple that with the fact that, and and people, the coaches will say it. You know, they, we don't listen to it. They absolutely read it. You know, they do. They, everybody hears it. But players, you go, hey, look, I wasn't voted all SEC or, or all these guys are voted ahead of me. Everything is you can use as fuel. And I think for Auburn, you, you hear people picking this as the upset game. I don't think there's any question they probably use that as a little motivation going in. But in the end, as soon as you snap the ball, that's over with. And and yeah. playing football, as Philip gets back to it, execution and talent, those three things uh, – 
if you allow your talent to come out by executing, then I think Auburn's okay. All right. Good stuff, guys. That was Jason Caldwell and Philip Marshall of Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers, a part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Keith Niebuhr, and this was the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I want to thank both of these guys. Make sure you check out uh, this podcast and other podcasts that we do on Apple iTunes. Everybody going to Auburn this weekend, have a safe time and a safe trip. Be careful out there. Make sure, sure you socially distance, wear your masks, do all that, enjoy some football, and we'll do it again next week. Take care, everybody. Actually, there was one more thing I wanted to note before we headed out, and that was our final predictions. Philip has Auburn winning 27-17. to 17. Jason, Auburn 24, Kentucky 20, and I have Auburn coming out ahead 27-23. to 23.